Morning guys, so you join me on the beginning of one of my walks today as we look at the Word of God. Check that out behind me, isn't that beautiful? Um, so we're just going to start off just by having a little bit of a think um, about how do you keep your peace in a world that is full of turmoil? I don't know about you, but one of the things I'm finding, we're like three weeks, maybe four weeks, I'm even losing sense of time, but into isolation. And uh, you only need to turn the news on or look on the internet, look at a news channel or something like that for but a few seconds and you are bombarded, literally bombarded with COVID-19 statistics of deaths and infections and the, the rate of ascension of the curve and all these sorts of things and all the horror stories. There's not enough PPE equipment in hospitals and the statistics being wildly inaccurate and just like government leaders who are kind of all arguing about whose fault it is. And it's just, it can get quite overwhelming. I think one of the things we've learned as a family is just we're, we're processing disappointment. Um, things like uh, missed birthday parties, not being able to see family, our kids aren't able to see school friends and stuff like that. Um, I know some friends that have massive like holidays and trips to go and see family on the other side of the world that's all been cancelled. For all of us, we're all navigating disappointment. We've all got this kind of external thing about COVID-19 going on. Our work-life rhythms have all been kicked out. Even friends in our church have lost jobs and been given their notice, some put on furlough, uh, reduced incomes, and so this whole thing is just like a massive, massive challenge. And so maintaining peace when life is just so fast-paced and crazy, there's no fixed points of reference, this is new to all of us, the whole world is going through a process of such kind of like exponential change, it's really hard to kind of know what to hold on to. The great thing is that in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 1 and verses 27 on, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be afraid, in verse 1, and in verse 27, he says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We're just going to have a little think about what that means. The first thing we need to think about is what does Jesus mean when he says peace? If you look in the dictionary at what the word peace means, it often means the absence of something like war, some sort of persecution or a war, the absence of that thing. And so peace, using that definition, isn't in of, of itself anything. It's actually, actually the absence of something. But biblical peace is very, very different. It's actually talking about the presence of something, about wholeness, about being made well. And there's a great video done by the Bible Project which explains peace. And so we're just going to look at that now. It'll take a couple of minutes and then we'll cut back to me in the next location. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. 
The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others. Like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. And so we can see from that video that peace is far more than the absence of something, but it's actually the presence of something, namely not something, but someone, Jesus. And so as we talk about peace, we're talking about Jesus being presenced with us, bringing healing and wholeness, bringing shalom into our life, a sense of wholeness and well-being to the whole person. And so all of this disruption that we spoke about at the beginning of my walk, all of this disappointment that we face, all of the frustrations, all of the restrictions and the isolation that's kind of warring with our wholeness, actually what Jesus wants to do is draw all of that together and make us whole again. Peace also isn't a passive thing, but it's very, very active. For Jesus to bring peace into our lives with God, to bring peace into that relationship, required him to go to the cross. It was literally a bloody, gutsy effort. The amount of sheer determination and willpower that went into that moment in human history is mind-boggling. And so peace isn't a neutral thing, but it's a very active thing. It's a fighting thing. It gives its all. Peace needs to be contended for. And so there are three things that I want to draw out of these few words that we've looked at from Jesus in John 14. And the first one is that we're not to fear 
but we're to receive Jesus's peace. Now I've heard of fear being called false evidence appearing real. So that's an acronym, false evidence appearing real. Now I'm not saying that this is fake news and COVID-19 doesn't exist. I think actually that the false evidence is that our hope is ultimately in this place and it's not whether it's COVID-19, whether it's old age or something else, this place isn't our final destination. We've all been created with eternity in our hearts. And Jesus longs for us to be in eternity with him. That whole chapter in John 14 is actually Jesus talking about going and preparing a home, a mansion, where we will go and spend eternity with him. It's better that he goes, he's gonna go and prepare a room in that mansion for each of us who know him and call him the king of our lives. You make him our Lord. And so the false evidence really is that we would put our hope in this place. The amazing promise is that Jesus says that we are to receive his peace. This peace that Jesus extends to us isn't a something, but it's a someone, it's himself. Jesus is literally promising his presence in our heart through his Holy Spirit and that he will carry us through times of plenty and times of lack, times of hope and times of fear. And right now, I don't know about you, but I need that peace in my heart. So when Jesus says, receive my peace, he's not extending something to us that we put in our pocket. He's actually extending himself to us, his very presence, his very life with us for all of eternity in this life and in the age to come. And that's why we can know this shalom that we heard about from the Bible Project, this sense of Jesus's presence with us, that far surpasses our circumstances. Our peace isn't determined by what's going on around us like we should be living a perfect life, but actually peace is found through the presence of Jesus internally. So whatever the external factors, whether it be war and famine, or whether it be times of feasting and plenty, the presence of Jesus is the very thing that gives us our peace. The second point is that Jesus says that he doesn't give as the world gives. And so what Jesus extends to us is his presence through the Holy Spirit. It doesn't take long looking on social media and other places as well in conversations with friends to engage with what the world has got to give right now. And it's mostly fear. Now there's a lot of really good stuff. I was so encouraged to see 20 odd million raised by Captain Tom. So, so good. People deep down want to make a difference. People want to do something to kind of help and to forget about the fear that's around. But ultimately on the most base level, there's this narrative of fear. And Jesus says, I don't give as the world gives. I don't come to bring fear, but I actually come and I bring my presence. And so friends, we need to be led by the spirit, not led by the world. As we label Jesus and we allow him to lead us by his spirit, through prayer, through meditation on his word, through just spending time with other Christians, being thankful, we start to find that we receive something in us, a hope that transcends any sort of understanding, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Jesus himself is called the Prince of Peace. And so when Jesus says, I don't give as the world gives, He's actually promising his presence. He's promising life and life eternal. And friends, that's something that's really worth pursuing. The third point I want to make is about the heart. Now, Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. In the Bible, the heart is kind of talked about a little bit like it's a well. It's something that we personally have a responsibility for guarding. We decide kind of what goes into the heart. We decide what comes out of the heart. We're told that the mouth is the overflow of the heart. So we often say that with our kids and even as a husband and wife, 
that when we're grumpy, when we're moody, maybe when we're being a little bit, not being ourselves, we lost sight of who we are and things are popping out that are negative or disruptive, that we're sort of saying, what's going on? That's an indication, because what's coming out of your mouth indicates what's going on in your heart. And so we have to fight and we have to contend for the kind of the security and the nature of our heart. The heart is something that we get to control what goes in, what goes out. Just found a two pound coin down there and it's glued to the floor. There we go, look, two pound coin, glued to the floor. We'll carry on. Now, I just want to talk from personal experience for a bit, but when we as human beings are feeling particularly low or vulnerable, when there are external pressures and temptations coming, when, we may be, when we're in isolation, you know, we're feeling um, on our own and like, just things aren't normal, it's really easy for us to turn to things, negative things, that become what are called functional saviours. Now, in my life, there's been many. I've, I've had drinks and drugs and all sorts of things that I've turned to to try and kind of numb the numb reality a little bit because I found it too much to deal with. It's just been my way of ordering the world. I've had times when I've gone online and I've looked at really unhelpful things and that's caused a wedge in my marriage and my relationships. There have been times when I've got literally angry with people and situations and had outbursts um, and maybe been uh, abusive with my mouth. We can withdraw within ourselves, just binge Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever it might be. We might just become incredibly withdrawn from our family and the kind of go with in ourselves and hide in the garden shed whatever it might be and so there is these things in life that we call functional saviors and we've really got to guard our hearts in days like this my encouragement to you would be to kind of assess yourself with sober judgment and just say lord what are the things that i turn to when i'm feeling low or vulnerable sometimes it can just be pushing everyone away because we're disappointed we're feeling rejected sometimes it can be literally really damaging things like stuff on the internet or alcohol but we really want to avoid those things and when we're starting to feel that kind of weakness and vulnerability in ourselves which trust me it's not specific to you it's all of us we've all got this the kind of this need within ourselves and we turn to other things to crack wells to kind of satisfy ourselves and so friends you have a responsibility to guard your heart ask the holy spirit what, what do i turn to and then start to put things in place that bring a strength in your life so rather than go into temptation rather than go after unhealthy things put that time aside for prayer or for fasting or for meditating on god's word or for just being thankful and saying jesus i'm just so thankful that i'm alive today thank you lord that my family is healthy thank you lord that even though i'm on furlough i'm still getting a bit of an income whatever the situation is we can all kind of to change our hearts from being incredibly fractured and needy to being overflowing with thankfulness and then we start to think beyond ourselves and try and apply that same grace into the life of other people and so there are these three things the first thing is that we're not to fear but that we're to receive the peace that Jesus gives himself the prince of peace and so then the second thing we're to do after that once we receive the presence and the peace of the spirit is to be led by that spirit not to be led by the world not to be led by fear not to be led by external circumstances and the third thing is to make sure that we're keeping our heart full of Jesus that we're not allowing anything else to come in and invade it and to gate crash the party particularly things that could be toxic and bitter to our souls those are the encouragements really that we would embrace the life and the light that Jesus extends to us the prince of peace the Greek philosopher Plato is recorded to have said that we can forgive children being afraid of the dark but the real tragedy of life is when grown men are afraid 
of the light. And that's the real encouragement this morning is that we would receive the Prince of Peace, the light of life into our hearts, that there's no reason to be afraid or to be fearful in this life, COVID-19 or not. There's no reason to be afraid because the presence of Jesus through his Holy Spirit in our hearts enables us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fearing no evil because he is with us and he is good and he is our eternal hope. And so friends, we're going to cut back to me and Natalie. I'm almost home now and we'll pray.